this Netflix slasher has a controversial ending. Today, I'm talking about There's Someone Inside Your House. This is Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Hello, movie friends. Welcome to Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. I am Scott, and today I'm talking about the Netflix release, There's Someone Inside Your House, which is based on the novel of the same name. And I think this one is interesting because it's a slightly different kind of slasher movie, but at the same time <laughs> runs runs afoul at the end for, for some folks, I think. So without further ado, let's get started. I think the slasher genre is an underutilized genre. Not because there haven't been a ton of them, but because the genre is a great way to try and say something. Whatever your killer represents, how they were created, or who they kill can all say something impactful. Which more often than not means going after young people for having sex or getting indirect vengeance. Hence why the setup for There's Something Inside Your House is refreshing, because our killer wants to out everyone's dirty laundry. The film centers around Makani Young, an amicable transfer student from Hawaii who now lives in the small town of Osborne, Nebraska. But said small town is turned upside down when a blade-wielding killer begins offing high school students and airing out their darkest secrets. All of which makes Makani incredibly nervous, since she has multiple things to hide. There's Someone Inside Your House is a hard movie to discuss without spoiling, because the film's main idea, or one of its biggest ones at least, is directly connected to the film's finale. As such, I'm going to work by highlighting the two big things I liked about this movie, and why the finale could use some work. First and foremost, Patrick Bryce is really good at making horror movies. Director Patrick Bryce may not be a household name, but he has produced a number of indie horror hits, namely the two Creep movies with actor and co-star Mark Duplass, and the anthology series Room 104, also with Duplass. If you've seen the Creep movies, you might wonder how Bryce's skills would translate to a brightly colored slasher from a found footage handheld approach. Turns out, pretty well. Bryce seems to have an inherent understanding of how to make creepy slasher scenes by laying out mystery, ramping up the tension, and showing our killer in the shadows, and then giving us their location right before they strike. There's even a handful of kills I hadn't seen before. All of these scenes are tense and incredibly effective. They make us feel alone with a malevolent presence before confirming those fears. We've also got solid characters. Even in a 90-minute movie, the characters in this film are well-written and well-rounded. The main group of teens are all outcasts, either due to some being nerdy, other a few non-white people in a small town, or being queer. What I love, however, is how very little of this is said out loud, and the people that out a trans person to the student body are portrayed as people looking for clout versus actual accepting people. We also get little details about them, like what they might be hiding, their goals, and their conversations do an excellent job of establishing their personalities. For instance, this is the one who's quick to judgment, and this is the devil-may-care friend. It means we can predict how most of these people will react when the pressure is turned up. And now we get to the divisive point. When the murders start, it appears like the town has some kind of vigilante on their hands, mostly because of the kind of people they're taking down a jock responsible for brutal and potentially homophobic hazing, a class leader who is all also a white supremacist, victims that are hard to feel too much sympathy for. 
which makes Makani very nervous because she's got a few not-so-savory skeletons in her closet. A fear that's confirmed when nicer people start getting offed as well, and it no longer feels like vigilante justice. I think I get what this film is aiming for, that everyone makes mistakes they try to forget or hide, and why they do it. In Makani's case, she wanted a clean slate, and having her past revealed would take that away. And she fears it would make her her pariah, again. Same for her relationship with a town outcast. It takes a literal brush with death for her to face her worst demons. But the twist is where I think the movie is going to lose some folks, so spoilers ahead. At the end of the film, it's revealed that Makani's friend and son of the town's wealthiest man, Zack, is the killer. Not a terrible idea, but since he started trying to kill his friends, Makani definitely wants to know why. His reason? That everyone always judged him based on his family when no one in this town is a good person. Especially that, and essentially that his life has been hard and he hasn't deserved the judgment he's gotten, and re wanted to reveal all the phonies like a rich Holden Caulfield, without realizing that Holden is full of shit in the book. I get what the film is going for. It's rightly portraying Zack as a psychopathic giant man-baby who doesn't see the difference between a racist, a homophobe, and a friend with a secret drug addiction. There's a vast difference, though, between a personality-revealing secret and things you genuinely regret or moved on from. This is also especially rich coming from somebody who has everything he's ever wanted. So if the adversity he faces is some dirty looks at school, it's a bit much to say he's oppressed. That said, I don't think the movie does a very good job of solidifying this idea beforehand. Ideally, you'd want this moment and reveal to make everything click into place. If all of Zack's targets were people he deemed worse than himself and he had talked crap about them before and after they died, it might work a bit better. This way just feels a bit out of left field. The verdict is, it's pretty good. Though the ending could use some polish, there's someone inside your house has enough slasher fun to recommend. 6 out of 10. This has been Scott's Off Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Off Indulgent Movie World, for the latest reviews, discussions, and more. See you next time, everybody, and stay safe.